Hey there, welcome to Village Church Sermon q and I'm Pastor Alex, and I'm here with Pastor Craig and Pastor Michael. And today we are answering questions from a sermon that we preached on August 29th, 2021, about the tabernacle. And uh, today's question actually isn't at all about the tabernacle, but Pastor Michael, in your sermon, uh, you used an illustration about Harry Potter. And I'm really interested if you could answer a question for me. I have no recollection of this, <laughs> by the way. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Should Christians read Harry Potter? I think the, I think the answer is completely depends on three things. Number one, your conscience. Number two, your convictions. And number three, your context. So I would not actually be uh, willing or interested in giving somebody an absolute yes, yes, you or your children should read Harry Potter. But I would like to start off and make a pretty big statement. You ready for this? We're sitting down. <laughs> 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 oh, that's so funny. Okay. So if you, let's talk about your children. Yep. If you forbid your children from reading or watching Harry Potter on the basis of magic um, or some kind of sorcery stuff, mm -hmm. right? Then I think in order for you to be consistent with your principles, the following movies need to be eradicated from your collection. Are uh -oh. you guys ready? You're going to make for a it. whole lot of enemies right here. Uh -oh. Ready? Mary Poppins. What? Prove to me she's not a witch. <laughs> Prove it. Okay. She's literally got an umbrella and starts floating in the air. I just, whatever. Fair enough. Okay, so now we're going to, I mean, okay. Frozen. <laughs> you just ruined my household. <laughs> I'm just saying. Everybody just shut you off. I'm just right saying there, it right. is witchcraft. It is all that stuff. She um, can make ice. That's right. So Ice deal. in her veins. So now this is where we get a little personal, though, because the the two movie franchises that I do not believe can exist in your house if you are against Harry Potter on the basis of magic mm -hmm. is going to be the Lord of the Rings trilogy and the Chronicles of Narnia. Because in both of those, you have a whole magical world with spells and mm -hmm. different things. And, and so if you are fundamentally opposed to magic in any way being um, glorified, then automatically there is a whole bunch of things that we need to begin to eradicate. So I've listened to multiple, multiple pastors, um, all on YouTube, by the way, a couple in person, but all on YouTube, uh, try to justify that Harry Potter should not be engaged by anybody, right. but Lord of the Rings and not Narnia are totally yeah, okay. okay. And honestly, you know, when sometimes people make arguments and you're just like, you're stretching, right? Like sometimes you feel with me and I feel with you. No, I'm I've heard that. Yes, you have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, no, but that's like, sometimes, you know, you dig in a little bit and, yeah. and, and and you don't want to be the one to say Lord of the Rings and C.S. Lewis and J.R. Tolkien right. are like are bad. And so I think sometimes people overplay their cards. And mm -hmm. I just want to say, uh, if you're going to throw this one out, let's be really consistent and throw them all out. Right. Um, so I would welcome actually disagreement. But um, here's how I think we can process this. Number one, let's start to identify what we know about the Bible and what we know about Harry Potter. So let's start with the Bible. So can I get an amen that the Bible condemns? All uses of magic, sorcery, divination, necromancy. Yes, absolutely. Any anything where a person is dabbling into the spiritual realm, not according to the laws of God. Yep. Right. We can also affirm that we are encouraged to dabble into the spiritual realm, uh, particularly in the parameters by which God permits and allows. For example, 
prayer. When we pray, we are making a request into the spiritual realm, if you will, expecting mm-hmm. God's going to hear us. And another one would be spiritual warfare. Let's mm-hmm. say you are very present, aware that there's a demon present in one way or another. We are encouraged to invoke the spiritual realm and to do different things. And those are affirmed practices by God. And so, done by the disciples. Uh, done by the disciples, for sure. And mm-hmm. so um, accessing the spiritual realm is not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It is good or bad, depending on whether or not you're obeying God's word or not. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so if we just kind of lay that as a foundation and uh, anything we say here yeah. on out, if there's even an ounce of us that is advocating yep. divination, necromancy, sorcery, et cetera, That's then, then right. we're probably not doing something right. Correct. Correct. So let's now identify a few things that I think we know about the world of Harry Potter. And I think this could help us frame the discussion. So number one, um, the magic used in Harry Potter has zero real world equivalency. Yeah, I'll go along with that. Okay, so there's nothing that you're ever going to see in Harry Potter that anybody is going to try or do in the real world. Unless you go to Harry Potter world where you can wave your man, wand in certain ways and doors open. <laughs> and yes. like Experience that. the fat, fantastical yes. world. Prove right? me wrong. Prove me wrong, which is magical in the that's truest true. sense, right? So I think that's really important to identify that what is happening in Harry Potter is not real yep. and there is no counterpart in the real world mm-hmm. by which we access dark magic. So even though they might call it sorcery, right. it's actually not sorcery in any way, shape, or form. Yes. Um, it is a fantastical world. The The second part I want to draw here is that in the world of Harry Potter, it is built on, this can blow people's minds, the traditions laid out in, in, in uh, Lord of the Rings and Narnia. Mm. So it's interesting that so many like centaurs, right? And, and all of these things were taken um, by Tolkien and by C.S. Lewis. And they, they had a tradition before them. They built right. on, they built on that the backs of that. About but, how to build a fantasy world. Right. right. But yeah. this entire fantastical world of, of Harry Potter um, really finds its roots in Tolkien and mm-hmm. Lewis and then them beforehand. And so it's interesting to me that all this, the Greek gods yeah. looked like centaurs or something totally. like that. Yeah. Yes. So it goes back forever. Absolutely. And there was uh, no hesitation in the Christian authors to kind of tabble into Greek mythology and create this fantastical mm-hmm. world because they knew it kind of just didn't exist. In fact, even by doing it, um, what they did is they showed almost the impossibility and foolishness of those past right. religions um, by doing it. So that I think that's another world, which is number one, what they do in Harry Potter has no real world connections. Uh, number two, this tradition of fantasy worlds mm-hmm. is built on the backs of Christian authors. And then um, yeah, I, I, I've wanted to say to a lot of people, listen, if you're going to, if you're going to pick a bone with Harry Potter, then I want to see you pick the equal bone with, with Narnia and, and Lord of the Rings and nobody will do it mm-hmm. because intuitively we, we, we're just not ready to go there because we love them. We love what they stand for. So we'll put up with wizardry and witchcraft in that fantastical world, but not, but in, not in the world of Harry right. Potter, even though none of them have any, real world point of origin where these practices were taken. They from. might say like uh, Narnia or Tolkien both have redeeming value mm-hmm. in, in their revelation of their mythology. Yep. You know what I mean? They oh, might, for sure. They might sure. say, and that's the redeeming value in yeah. that versus Harry Potter. Yeah. I, I think that's good. And so um, I wrote down some notes here that I think I want to, I want to dabble into that because mm-hmm. I think there's some really helpful insights into Harry Potter again. So let's talk about good reasons not to read it. So if sure. you're listening, here's, here's a couple. Number one would be your conscience doesn't permit it. 
Yeah. Easy enough. Like mm-hmm. if you are uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you should not read it. If you're uncomfortable with your kids reading it, like you 100%. can put boundaries around Biblically, it. if you can't do something in faith, you yeah. shouldn't do right. it. Yeah. Should not do it. Another level of this is, is convictions. Like you are convinced that this... You don't want to have any connection to this whatsoever because it uses words like magic, sorcery, mm-hmm. et cetera. Um, and that would be a good reason not to do it. I would like to challenge you and to say, therefore, mm-hmm. will you now throw out all literature and movies of, yeah, that right. dabble into the fantastical world of magic, whether or not they have redeeming metaphors or not, mm-hmm. right? Because if the issue is magic, then the issue is magic. Okay? Mm-hmm. So if your convictions don't permit it, totally respect that. I don't want to change your mind. Uh, I'm not interested in trying to convince someone to read Harry Potter. I have no identity in Harry Potter <laughs> whatsoever uh, in any way. So um, here's another one. If you're a kid, uh, if your parents don't permit it, right. then you don't do it. It's yeah, that right. simple. You live under their authority. Mm-hmm. And then here's another one. You might even find that Harry Potter is fine for kids to read, but you your kids aren't ready for it. Yep. Or maybe your kids are like uniquely susceptible to dark things mm-hmm. and you just are not confident what's going to happen if they engage that. So um, I've got one daughter that um, she's super sensitive to violence in every way, even suspense. And so Mm -hmm. we just don't, she doesn't watch it and we protect her from it. And when she's exposed to it, she kind of freezes and, Mm -hmm. and it affects the way she just even her dreams. So we try Mm -hmm. to protect her. And so I think those are really good reasons not to read it or Mm -hmm. to watch it. And, if either of you said it's against my convictions or my conscience, I would say, cool, I totally support you. And, don't read it. Mm. Um, yeah. That's there's that. So let's talk about good reasons too. Yeah, ready? I would love that. All right, I know. So you and me <laughs> probably have more inclination to say we think it's actually good. For, good, good. Yeah. It has. Yeah. It ha- there is a, a redeeming value, not yeah. telling like a like a gospel story like Lord of the Rings or Narnia yeah. does, but there there is actually redeeming value to yeah. it. Yeah, and, and you might be like, mm, like I don't know, right? Oh, yeah. no, I haven't read the books, but I yeah. I did try and endure the movies. Yeah, and so far the movies seem to be pretty, I mean, there's some differences, but pretty, yeah. just it's based on the books, but yeah. movie form. So here's here's a good one. Your conscience allows it. I mean, I think your conscience is a really important factor in this. I would never, ever want to look at you and say, violate your conscience. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. Number two, it is a cultural phenomenon that has transformed and informed mm-hmm. our pop culture moment. Yes. So I was, uh, I, I realized I was with Matt, who's behind a camera here. And we were at his house with a couple missionaries and uh, the amount of Harry Potter references that came up were striking. (laughs) And it was just very interesting because there was one couple who had not read the books or watched the movie Mm. and they were lost. We were talking about Dementors and different things like that. He who should not be named. What's going on? And and we weren't even talking about Harry Potter. It's just this this vocabulary Mm -hmm. had made its way into the conversation. And so what we are learning is that with an entire generation of people under 35, Mm -hmm. largely, even very young at this point, that to even understand some of their pop culture references is to understand the narrative and the flow of Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. And so your kids are probably picking this up, whether or not they are reading it, they may even start using some, some of the, the, language the vernacular from, yeah, right. there. So that would be one. It's, it's very helpful to understand the cultural moment. Mm-hmm. And you're going you're gonna to miss a ton of stuff in normal <laughs> conversation if you are not kind of privy to like what's happening in yeah. the Harry Potter world. Um, here's the third one. It has become... For so many young people, their primary cultural formation of good and evil. Mm. So here's like a redeeming, I think, really cool part of Harry Potter. Um, you have this kid who represents two worlds, the wizarding world and the, and the, and the human world. And in the wizarding world, what happens in that world affects what happens in the actual mm-hmm. real world. And all the people in the real world are not actually aware of what's happening mm-hmm. in the wizard yeah, right. wizarding world, which kind of represents the spiritual world. Mm-hmm. And so what he does is he represents both of them and then kills the prince of darkness mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. um, so that he can bring peace to the you, you, whole world, right? Ruin the story for oh, everybody. Well, everybody knows. I mean, that's easy <laughs> enough. Uh, I haven't read them. Yeah, well, that's what happens. So he wins. But I've often wondered, like, is J.K. Rowling somehow informed by the Christian narrative story? Because it's right. written all throughout her book. Mm-hmm. You have these dementors, which are functionally like like demons. Mm-hmm. And you have a place that is functionally like hell and Voldemort, like this person who's functionally like Satan. And you have Harry Potter, who represents both worlds, who's right. like a Jesus. You have sacrifice. You have blood. It's very interesting, some of these dynamics that converge together. The reason I say that is not because I'm going to justify the wizardry or the sorcery, but for an entire generation. They have mm. no other literary framework or piece of information that is forming their moral good or their moral bad. Mm. And it, it and it teaches kids there is a spiritual evil and there's a spiritual good. Choose good. Evil only kills and destroys. That's mm. what it does. So um, we were working with somebody um, and they, they said that when they came to Christ, Harry Potter prepared them for Christ because it built mm. out their entire cultural theology of good, evil representation and a savior and evil Mm -hmm. that when they heard the gospel, what Harry Potter did is it prepared them for, for that world. Now those connections. Yeah. Now am I saying read Harry Potter because you're going to give God tons of glory in the process? I I don't know. That's not mine to decide. Yeah. I am saying though, it's forming an entire generation's framework of good. Well, think of missionaries too. Like when missionaries go to a place that has no context for the gospel and increasingly the place where we are is getting less and less context for the gospel. Mm -hmm. What those missionaries do is they try to connect with the cultural narratives that create the most openness for the gospel. And I think- Whether they're true or not, whether they're true or or not, doesn't matter. Yep. 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 One of the things you shared with me, and I would love for you to talk about it, is you had talked about it is the- I actually have a quote from you. It's the last remaining um, narrative of cultural hope. Um, yes. Explain what yes. you mean by that. Okay. So uh, Harry Potter, I, I'm like the generation that grew up reading Harry Potter. I was learning to read as Harry Potter was coming out. And uh, it tells this story of, uh, you know, this victor rising up over evil and and conquering evil, right? Defeating evil. And then every other major young adult uh, or even written for younger kids narrative that was built from there uh, told a hopeless story, a story of a dystopian reality. Maze Runner, Hunger Games, Divergent, Zombies, zombies. Vampires, all of this. Like these are the, those became the culturally forming narratives. And, you know, lo and behold, you you get Gen Z now, one of the Mm. more depressed generations Mm. that is Mm. looking for some form of hope. But the only message is that they get told is that the world gets darker and darker and darker. The Walking Dead is their primary narrative for, you know, metaphor. And that's the formational narrative for what the world is. And so Harry Potter, there's, it still has this uh, really strong cultural power and there is a form of hope in there that can, um, you know, shape and form kids in a significant way. Yeah. And and all that to say, like, I'm not saying Harry Potter is the best thing in the entire world. It's the best literature ever written. Uh, What I am saying though, is that it taps into a big narrative that the Mm. human heart responds so well to, which is good versus evil a hero representing both worlds, conquering evil and bringing peace to the world. Mm. And and it's very striking that that even J.K. Rowling understands the power of that narrative Mm. and also the the power of a fantastical world of magic that draws our imaginations in. Mm. Now, does she employ things that the Bible forbids? This is where I get challenged here because, yes, they employ sorcery and divination and necromancy, Mm -hmm. but is it at all in any way connected to the real stuff 
it's actually not. That's so I'm I'm sort of half tempted to say it's it's more of a fantastical view mm-hmm. of things that has no bearing in reality. Mm-hmm. But and I want to just I think this is important. If I've got a 13 year old son who's really inclined to dark things, and and he or she he son he is 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 really just drawn to darkness, I'm probably not going to surround him with anything that's dark, um, Harry Potter or otherwise, and. And, uh, and so I think that's a possibility, but that's where I look at moms and dads and I say, know your children, mm-hmm. have a clear conscience, stand by your convictions. So let me ask you this question. Yeah. Uh, is Harry Potter more geared for adults or children? You know, as you watch the movies, they get darker and darker and darker mm-hmm. and darker. Like the first one, the first book uh, feels a whole lot more like it's made for maybe a nine to 13 year old. Mm-hmm. But with every... Every sequential book, the battle gets darker. Um, the darker imagery comes in. Again, the demons and different well, things. Well, and, and the first readers of the book aged with the book. They too. did, for yeah. sure. So their battles become more mature, more devastating, yep. yeah. more emotionally dis- distressing. Yep. All of that happens in the in the books. Yeah, and in As the movies. The books increase, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I saw that in the movies, but yes. I, I'm assuming it happened even yep. more so in the books. It did, but I think the the visual nature of, of the movies were so much scarier than the books. Mm-hmm. And so even though the books did get darker, just visualizing, visualizing it brought it to a whole nother level emotionally as you mm-hmm. kind of like soak it in. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's real. I would not show probably books, you know, four through the, the last three or four um, to somebody who's six or seven. But if you're one or right. two, it yeah. wasn't that. Because the last like one, yeah. the, I remember the last movie and it, and it looked like darkness wins and all is, all is gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is completely hopeless. And I'm just thinking... You know, and and it switches. It's there's, okay. I, I was, I was like, make sure. I haven't seen that yet, so yeah, don't tell I, him how. There's I, a I twist. Know. I'm on right. the second to last book. Yeah, so. there's a twist. Yeah, I'll let I'll uh, let you come across. But sort of like the resurrection of Christ. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Three days of <laughs> yes. you know. What are we gonna do now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. So you know, um, would you if you had you know a whole year to yourself and you didn't have to do anything, would you pick them up? Would you pick up the books? I d- I don't. There's so many things I yeah, could no, be right. doing. You know, <laughs> there's so many things. I don't know if I. See the value in them that you but you, do. on the other hand, you would. I for sure, yeah, yeah. 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 And and we're listening to our family, but that's that's a decision we made because our children are ready. You know, mm-hmm. just, now if I had your kids in the car, I would not be turning it no. out because they're yeah. they're, they're very so, small. Yeah. yeah. Well, I thought that was fun, and if you don't agree, we'd love you. Uh, that is okay. This is where I want to encourage you to stand by your convictions, stand by your conscience, uh, know your context, know your children, and uh, just know that that is one of the best things you can do is to serve the Lord and honor all of that. So we love you. we got more questions coming up for you on Village Church Sermon Q&A.